was like uh, almost don't even need to preach because what was prayed and sung and prayed again and ministered to and prayed again is just it kind of summarized everything I had planned for this morning. Um, we look at just the songs that were sung this morning is blessed be your name, blessed be your name, God. We praise you for what you've done because of this amazing grace you've given us to take us from like no longer slaves to actually children of God because it's your kingdom coming. It's like that is the summary of the book of Ephesians. It's like from start to finish, it's actually running the story of what God has done for us and reminding us that absolutely everything can be taken to God. And it doesn't matter where you are, you can go to God. And so, Lord, thank you that you are just the, the, the master at weaving these stories together, that actually you see that it's not about one person or one gift or but it's actually each and every person playing their part weaves this church together, weaves your church together into the incredible tapestry that you've made it to be to declare your glory, your kingdom come, Lord. I pray that you would show us how we play our parts. Each and every one of us brings what we have to offer to just serve you, to love you, to, to equip the saints, to lead them to guide them to build up your body so we can actually be a, a presence we can house the presence of God and we can take it wherever we go and you transform our lives and our families and our situations Lord thank you for what you're doing here um, I've had this poem going through my head and for a couple of weeks now, at, from when I first heard it, I'm not a great poet. It was basically poetry was something you used once a year, somewhere around February. <laughs> maybe, maybe one other time. It's like <laughs> to make you try and sound smart or sound romantic. Or, but there's something about poetry and especially going through the Psalms. Um, it draws out our emotion. And it allows us to express the deep longings of our hearts and our frustrations and our concerns and our, 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 our desires for the world. And there's a way of us expressing just the reality of life in a far like, more poignant way. And it draws out something from within us. And this poem doesn't come from a Christian poet. It's actually um, a Japanese poet from like the 18th century and... It's obviously translated, you might find like multiple translations, but it's this world of dew is indeed a world of dew, and yet, and yet. And he had an incredibly tough life. His mom passed away when he was three years old, and then he went and lived with his gran, who was his primary source of like love and compassion. And, and she passed away when he was 13, and then he had an interesting relationship with his stepmom, and Finally, like he resolved that like frustration and he inherited some money from his father who had already passed away and he had a wife and then his, his first child passed away and then his second child passed away and that's when he wrote this poem. And he said, this world of dew is indeed a world of dew and yet, and yet. And it, it sounds... Like you can, you can go rush over it and it's like, oh, I, I have no clue what that means. It's like, it's, it sounds so short. It sounds so like, 
flippant to say this. It's such a, a lot of suffering, but it's, it packs a punch because it's, you think of the dew of the morning. Is, it's beautiful and it's, it's refreshing. And there's, like, it, it's the beauty of nature. It's actually a provision. It's, it's almost like God providing what we need in the morning, the manna in the morning. As there's new life every single day. And then it's just the dew. It's so temporary. And it's like the things we love in this life, we appreciate for like a second and then it's gone. And it's, it's, it's almost like he's expressing like the whole book of Ecclesiastes in one short little poem that it's like actually this world of dew. It's so beautiful, yet there's the contrast where there's such suffering. And we, we, we see this in life. We know there's, there's a beauty in our relationships and in our marriage. And then it's also the hardest thing is in our marriage. And then our kids are these incredible, like beautiful, like kids that came out and then they go through hard times. And it's, there's this juxtaposition of like this incredible world of you is but a world of you. And yet, and yet. And there's that longing inside of us that doesn't matter what we go through, what we're struggling with, what we're going through in life. It's like we know there's something more. The reason why I use this poem specifically is because it's written by like a non-Christian. It's, this gives us language to actually relate to those that we're trying to reach out to. Because there's an innate longing inside of every human for, for God, for the kingdom, for more, for love, for truth. But we don't always see it. And we, we come with our simple answers and our simple explanations. But I think there's something you can see throughout like humanity. They're longing for life to be different. We're longing for our governments to be different. We're longing for our economies to be different. We're longing for the world to be different. We're longing for love. We're longing for acceptance. We're longing to be everything that God's made us to be. But then we, we sidetracked and we sucked into our problems and our struggles. And, our, and then we know that we are complicit in them and we don't know who to blame, but we know we need to blame somebody and we don't know where to turn and we have to turn to somebody and then we, we end up blaming those people and those people and we point away from ourselves and we, we get like just lost. And we actually, what we need to do is fall on our knees and say, God, help us. Help us to be transformed so that we can go and actually transform. Help us to be made new so that we can bring that transformation into the lives of those we love, into the lives of those we hate, into the lives of those we disagree with, into the lives of those who have hurt us. It's like, imagine we could be those type of people that actually embody the way of Christ. So, that's my title for this morning. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet. It's like, Whatever you're going through, yet there's a reason to hope. Whatever you're struggling with, yet there's a reason to praise God. Whatever you are going through, yet there is a power that can strengthen you. Yet there is a reason to hope. The whole series we've been going through, I better start a timer, um, <laughs> has been through the book of Ephesians. And we right now at the end of chapter 3, and the, the book can almost be divided in half, literally, like chapters 1 to 3 and then 4 to 6. And the first bit is all about what God has done for us. 
And then it's a therefore. This is why you live. This is why you do this. This is why we actually live the way that we are called to live. Because of everything that God has done for us. Because he's given us every spiritual blessing. And this has impacted you. And you were dead. And you've been made alive. And you were separated. And now you've been joined and you've been brought near and you were a slave and now you're a son and you were separated and now you brought close to God and you're actually intimately connected with him you 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 used to have no hope now you're full of hope because you've got an eternity locked up for you doesn't matter how this life is going you have an eternity awaiting you we heard from Tristan last week that Paul is writing this from prison for the glory of the Gentiles. He's like he's going through all of his suffering. He's realized his entire life he's been transformed. It's like he used to be a Pharisee, somebody who was like persecuting the Christians because he was like he was so passionate for God that he actually had to make sure that like Judaism was just purified and we, we, we got rid of everything that was like polluting it. And so he thought Christianity was actually a pollutant for this. So he was so passionate. He was actually killing people for this. And he got, he got confronted by Christ and actually said, no, you need to be transformed. And those people you thought were the enemy are actually the ones you called to reach. And I think God wants to say the same to us now. We look at people that it's like, ah, those people are persecuting us and those people are the enemy and those people are ruining our country and those people are ruining my company. And it's like, yeah, those are the people you are called to reach. Those aren't the enemy. They've just been like captured by the enemy and influenced by the enemy. We'll get to it later, but it's like our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual powers. So we actually need to look at that and identify it and say, you know what, God, I need to be so transformed that I can actually reach the people that are persecuting me. Even if they're my best friend. Like, our goal is to actually be so transformed that those people that have been the closest to us, hurts us the most, are the people that we are most passionate to try and reach. So, he's writing from prison. In another one of his letters in 2 Corinthians, he writes this. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, uh, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Saying we, we are imprisoned, we might be looked down upon, we might be persecuted, we might be poor now, and yet God views us with a different like measuring stick. This gives us a hope, yet we have a hope because our view of life is so different to the standard way of approaching life. Doesn't matter what we're going through. It's like you look at all of the Psalms. It's like you look and it's like, man, why are the wicked prospering and 
and yet I'm suffering. Why are those guys like just getting away with it, God? And yet you don't actually look at what I'm doing. Why? 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 And he's saying, just hold on. God looks with a very different lens. Man looks on the outside. God looks on the inside. God looks on the heart. God sees everything you're doing behind the scenes. Unfortunately, God sees everything you're doing behind the scenes. (laughs) And yet, He's looking out for everywhere that you've given just a cup of water in His name to extend His kingdom. He's not looking to try and punish. He's looking to try and reward. We'll get onto it just now, but like the inherent like metaphor of like God is not that he is a God that's removed or a king that's looking to punish and you better obey, is that he is a father. He is a loving, caring father. So the first point is yet there is a reason for hope. Second one is that yet there is a reason for praise. Now we I won't go into too much detail, but we've had an interesting like two weeks. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Um, and yet, in the midst of what's been like some of the most challenging times, it feels like God stripped everything away, and yet He's brought healing and transformation. You know, when like the there's too much month at the end of like your money kind of thing is. <laughs> We had one of those months where a couple of things have come up and, and yet we, we had this experience on holiday. A holiday that was perfectly provided for. And then money comes in just before like the debit orders are supposed to go off. And then it's like, and there's just enough. And it's like, God, you are good. You are so kind. You are so good to us. Yet there is a reason to praise. You go through... One of the, the best ways to illustrate this is in Habakkuk. The end of Habakkuk, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Habakkuk was a prophet in the Old Testament that written in like the craziest time where it's the, the people were kind of going off the rails and the prophet stands up and he's like, God, do you not see what's happening? He's like, yes, I've got a plan. Cool, God, okay. I'm glad you're coming to save the day. No, my plan is that I'm going to send the biggest, baddest army in the world and they're going to wipe you out. He's like, Ah, that's not quite what I had in mind. (laughs) And he's like, no, I'm going to do this because you actually, you need this. Because my people need to be purified. They need to see me for who I am. I need to get their attention because their eternity is more important than their comfort right now. And he he gets to the end of this book and he actually says like, I've gotten to this point where it's like I have to almost burst out in poetry again to express the language of my heart of saying you know what i might not understand and i might not experience the goodness of everything that i want to have at the moment yet i will praise the lord all through the psalms is is actually multiple 
Psalms of Lament. I don't know if you've read it. It's, we, we talk about like the Psalms as like, hey, it's this incredible uplifting book. And I'm like, the majority of them are laments. It's like the majority of them are us expressing our frustration to God. Almost understandably. It's like we know that life is hard. Like I think we, we live in a world and especially like Christianity over the last while has, has tried to only sell us the good points of like, hey, Life is awesome. God is amazing. Your life is going to be fantastic. And then it's like, hey, but my life doesn't look like that. And there's this, there's this frustration and it's, there's a reality to it. Because there's different parts in a lament psalm where there's actually there will be times where it's declaring like, this is my complaint, God. This is my lament. I'm going to trust you. And then there's a declaration statement, but God is good. And I'm going to praise like they don't always have that, but that's generally what it looks like because it's stating, this is my complaint. This is what I would like you to do, God. I'm going to trust you with it and I'm going to praise you in light of that. It doesn't always guarantee that you're going to get that answer that you want when you want it because God seems to know how to wait till like literally like midnight or one minute to midnight or one second or one fraction of a second because it's like, but I was chatting to Michelle, and the reality is there's no other way for us to realize that it's truly God. It's like God has to, we have to like, I don't know, it's like distrust every other option for us to actually trust God to see that it is truly God. And it's not because he's trying to test us, it's because he's actually trying to show us that you can rely on me. I want you to rely on me. If you did it in your own strength, in your own way, you would never see that it was actually me that was coming through for you. So, and yet there is a reason for hope. Yet there is a reason for praise. And yet there is power available to us. That's where part of what I've been reading this week, I've been preparing for... And just a, a thesis I have to actually write. So I've been doing like a lot of reading. And the, this one guy, he, he writes about his transformation in his approach to God. And he says, yeah, it was a shift in the doctrine of God, which saw me gradually move from the root metaphor of God as an absolute monarch to the root metaphor of God as a loving parent. Where so often we look at, we come to the Bible and we know God. God is the creator God. But a creator God is very distant from us. And we can often relate to God as like this, okay, he's created everything. It's up to us now to work really hard. And just suck it up because he's been good. He created everything. Know your place. It's like you, you can't actually come close to him. That's almost like our default response to God. Then a little bit closer to that is like relating to God as a king. It's like, okay, he's a good king, he's in charge, and he's, he's, he's like declaring his purposes, and it's his kingdom. But I'm just a, I'm a lowly servant in this kingdom. You give me the right things to do, God, and I'll do them. I'll obey. But God actually wants to reveal himself to us as a father. And you see this progression almost in the Bible where it's like he's, he's a creator. And then he starts speaking to his people, and he says, I want to be your king. And then he starts like revealing himself as this good king that provides and provides and provides. But then in Jesus, he comes and he actually says, I am God. 
And I've come to actually show you the Father so that you can be strengthened, so that you can be transformed, so that you would actually know who I am. In John 7, verse 37, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And there's, that's part of the reason we name our church Trinity Central, that it's actually Jesus has to be glorified for us to understand who the Father is and what He is like. And He wants to pour out the Spirit upon us. It was a month ago that it was actually Pentecost. And like, we didn't actually celebrate that. It's like there's a culture in that a lot of churches, specifically charismatic churches, it's like we, we, we make a big deal about Christmas where Jesus came. And we make a big deal about Easter where Jesus was risen. But we don't make a big deal about Pentecost. And I was thinking, like, man, actually, I'm going to set up a, a day, whether it's today or maybe next week, Sunday, where we actually celebrate, like, belatedly, Pentecost. Amen. Because, like, out of all of those days, that should probably be our biggest day because that's where God actually comes and He's poured out and He's dwelling amongst us. Not only does Jesus step into the world, die and is risen again, but He actually pours out His Spirit so that it would live inside of us, so we can be transformed, so we will be empowered, so we can be strengthened. So it's like we have a reason for hope, yet there is a reason for hope, and yet there is a reason to praise, and yet there is a reason for us to be empowered to live differently. Like I said, the songs this morning, where was that? I actually wrote it down. Songs this morning actually said, Blessed be, this is amazing grace. We're no longer slaves. We're actually children of God. So that our Father, your kingdom can come. If you look at the summary of Ephesians, it's literally, Paul says to the saints, a grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He says how we've been chosen, adopted, redeemed. There's a new revelation. There is an inheritance for us. There is a hope for us. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, for this reason, I give thanks and I pray for you because you were dead and now you've been, been made alive. And then he says, remember, remember you were separated from Christ. Remember who you were. It's what my mom prayed this morning. I gotta say that everything has been weaved together to show you guys this. Remember who you were. Like Simba, remember who you were. It's, it's like, but now. Michelle preached it, like, but now. But now you've been transformed. But now God has stepped in. But now your whole life has been changed. It's like, for this reason, I'm suffering for your, your glory. For this reason, you have been filled with the fullness of God, to actually go and transform the world around you. Literally, that's the first three chapters of Ephesians, and we're going to get on to the next three. But it goes on, and it says, Therefore, therefore you need to walk 
in a way that's worthy of this calling. You have to walk in humility. You have to walk in unity, in love, in one spirit, using your gifts to equip those around you, using your gifts to add to what God is doing in our church and beyond our church. You actually have to learn how to be angry and not sin. When you get frustrated, when you get angry, can you not sin in those moments? Or do you end up lashing out? Do you end up responding? Do you end up saying stuff that you shouldn't? He actually wants to train you to control your tongue, to control your anger, to control your frustration. To train you, therefore, we actually call to work hard and be generous. To be imitators of God. To, be submitting, uh, to submit to God. To submit to one another. Wives to your husbands. Husbands, call to love your wives. To lay down your life for them. To get dead, dirty and tired for them. So that they can actually be clean, full of life and made whole. Children, to obey your parents. Where's my kids? <laughs> Fathers, to lead your families. Employees, serving your bosses well. Employers, serving your employees well. And finally, taking your stand in the spiritual battle of this world. We will actually learn how to take our rightful place. To actually stand for God's kingdom. In a world of turmoil, in a world that's broken, in a world that's confused. Then Barry even said, like, to not believe the lies. To not believe the lies of the enemy. And then any sermon of mine wouldn't be complete without a Lord of the Rings quote. <laughs> Had to be Lord of the Rings or C.S. Lewis. But Stephen, I don't know if you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies or you need to... <laughs> I feel like that calls into question your participation in church. It's Maybe the first hour mm. in the kids a little bit. Mm. We, we, we pre-start moving. Like mm. <laughs> it's okay, you'll get there, you'll get there. We're praying for your salvation. But there's, there's one part in the second movie where one of the kings has been taken over by basically lies of the enemy. In the movie it's portrayed as like he's kind of under a spell. And the, the king is the Theoden. But he, he's, he's believing the lies of the enemy. So much so that it's made him age beyond his years. It's made him weaker than what he should be. It's like all of the hope is gone out. And he's looked at the world as if it was dark. Like beyond like saving. But then like the, kind of the heroes of the story or part of them. They come in and they kind of set him free. And these are the, the words that's like, Now Theoden, son of Thingol, will you hearken to me? said Gandalf. Do you ask for help? He lifted his staff and pointed it to a high window. There the darkness seemed to clear, and through the opening he could, could be seen, high and far, a patch of shining sky. Not all is dark. Take courage, Lord of the Mark, for better help you will not find. No counsel have I to give those that despair. Yet counsel I could give, and words I could speak to you. Will you hear them? They are not for all ears. I bid you come out before your doors and look abroad. Too long have you sat in the shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. And those words where he comes in, and in the movie specifically he comes in and he says, Too long have you sat in the shadows. 
And in the book, it's because he's believed the lie that the world is too dark for us to do anything about it. The challenges with my family, with my, my country, the challenges in the church, it's like we, we all believe those lies. Where it's like, actually, the challenges I'm up against is too big. I can't do anything about it. And he says, actually, if you can clear away just here, you would step out of the room, step out of the darkness, step out of the lies that you've believed. And he actually says, come take one step with me and you will see it's not as dark as you believed. Take one step with me and you will see that actually when you partner with me, God says that anything can be cleared away. Those lies can actually fall off you. And in the movie, you can actually see like his aging kind of turns around and he says like, actually your hand will be strengthened if you grab your sword. It's like your, your strength will return if you grab your sword again. And I think it goes for all of us. There's something of actually, when we grab hold of God's word, and it's not just the Bible, it's actually the Bible is a picture of the word, but Jesus is the true word. When we grab hold of Jesus, our strength returns and our hope returns and our reason to praise returns and the Spirit comes and fills us and fuels us and strengthens us that no matter what we are facing, we can have hope again. We can have courage to face it. We can have the belief that actually we can overcome this. So I don't know what it is you might be facing. Like my dad was saying earlier, that it might be financial trouble, it might be like legal trouble, it might be like a job situation, it might be a relational situation, it might be a physical like healing situation. Whatever it is, just remember that God says, and yet I can turn it around. And yet there is a reason to hope. And yet I am for you. And yet I'm going to bring healing and yet I'm going to bring transformation and yet it might wait for eternity and yet we can praise. I want to read this prayer over you. It's a combination of Paul's prayer that he starts in chapter 1 and actually finishes in chapter 3. Because he, he starts it and then he kind of gets a little bit excited and sidetracked and he realizes I have to kind of add some detail in here for you to truly understand what I'm saying. But when you combine it, it makes more sense. It's for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, Trinity Central, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ's when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think we, like, uh, straight after this, it says, therefore, therefore, you need to walk. Therefore, you need to respond. And I think we, like, we, we can preach and preach and preach, but I think there needs to be a response to this. So, if I could ask you to maybe to close your eyes, because I think the response needs to be different for everybody. And I think some people, you need to respond by trusting God again. Some people, you need to respond by reaching out to those that are next to you, to actually say, I'm not okay. My life is not okay. My relationship is not okay. My marriage is not okay. My business is not okay. My finances are not okay. Some of you need to respond by giving. Some of you need to respond Lord, I pray that you'd show each and every person how they need to respond. You know, there's multiple people in this room and outside this room that you can go to for prayer. You can come to me for prayer. You can come to Barry. You can come to my, my dad. You can come to Michelle, my mom. You can come. We've got a, a tin on the table here that it is a way for you to, to respond to be generous. There's a WhatsApp group for our church, that if you want to participate, this is a way to actually reach out and to, to come and be a part of what God is doing here. I don't know what it is that you need to do, but for everything God has done for us, we need to respond and walk worthy. Lord, I pray that you'd show each and every person here just how they can respond to you to step in the fullness of what you have for them. To take one step that's going to be the beginning of the rest of their lives of journeying with you in a more intimate way, in a more powerful way, in a more hopeful way, in a more praise-filled way, in a more empowered way, Lord.
This world of dew is indeed a world of dew. And yet, and yet. The world is longing for answers. And yet, they don't know you. And yet, we do. And yet, sometimes we don't run to you. Lord, help us to run to you as our incredible heavenly Father. It says, our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be your name, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, give us what we need. Forgive us where we've gone wrong and lead us into the fullness of what you have for us, Lord. As a church, as individuals, as families, Lord, I pray that you bring healing here. Those that need healing in their body, I pray that they would reach out and we would see miracles, Lord. Those that need financial breakthrough, they would reach out and we would see financial miracles, Lord. Coming this week, I thank you for the jobs that you provided for. I thank you for the, the healing that you brought. I thank you for the restorations that you brought. But Father, I ask you for more and more and more. I pray that you speak to everyone now, that you show them how to respond. I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for this morning. Thank you for how you weave together an incredible story, just portraying your beauty, Lord, your incredible tapestry. Jesus' name. Amen.